This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Truth That Heals podcast. I am your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez. And for today's episode, we're going to be talking about purity from the perspective of the cult that I was in. Now, I know that for many of you, purity may be something very special to you. It might have even helped you in your relationship with God. But there are so many people out there who have been injured, who have been deeply hurt and humiliated by the way purity has been taught. And so in this episode, I'm going to be really talking about what I saw in the cult regarding purity. And purity was very much attached with shame and even self-hatred. But if you've been in a cult, you may know already that to tell your story, you don't know where the hell to start because it's just so complicated. It's Sometimes it can be so confusing. But after years of being out of the cult, I've really been able to look through my memories and you know remember what happened, remembering the timeline. But to tell the story, like I said, it is complicated. It is hard. And so instead of telling this story in a timeline fashion, I think that the best way to approach this is by making it a bit simple. And to do that, what I'm doing is breaking up the members from the group into three different categories. The first one being those who were married. Now, those who were married, from what I saw, I feel that the founder wanted them to hate married life. And I'll give you an example of something that he said. He would say something like this, that yes, people are called to be married, but, and he would make, you know, he would make it very enthusiastic, that, that, but, and what he would then say is that the highest vocation isn't being married. The highest vocation, the highest calling that anyone could have is to be a priest, a nun, a religious, someone who follows Christ. And I remember the the people there in attendance to some of his retreats were kind of like, you know, nodding and you know, that was his style to make to make it seem that he is not against married life, but at the same time he was downplaying married life. Now among the married people we would have this, I guess, subcategory. We call them third orders. Now, third orders are kind of like religious, but they're they're not. Anyways, there was this one third order. I don't want to name name names, but I remember the founder, Father Bing. He would always use him as an example because this guy was very loyal, very faithful to Father Bing, but he was also married with the family. And I remember Father Bing, you know, pointed him out during one of the retreats. 
and he asked this person, if you could go back in time, would you get married? Yes or no? And I remember this third order responding, no, father, I wouldn't. And, you know, all the people are watching and I was watching too. And I'm thinking, okay, I didn't, I, I was really conflicted at, at that time in my life. Well, anyways, Father Bing then asked him, why won't you get married if you were to go back in time? Wouldn't you want to get married with your spouse, with whom you're with now? And he said, no, Father, why not? Because the highest vocation is to be a priest. And I remember Father Bing was like, amen, that's right. And so already he's brainwashing, you know, rewiring the the mind of the listeners to make it look like married life is something evil, that sexuality is something wrong. And I'll give you another example. And this is from someone who has told me this. I'm not going to say who, but there was a couple who was married and they later on in life, they started following the Alliance. And from what I've heard, from firsthand from from these people is that really the alliance started taking over their li- their life the cult really was taking over their decisions and making them feel guilty if they couldn't provide more if they couldn't be more financially available for the group and so there came a point where it, it the cult was really getting so involved in their life and I spoke to these people, and one of them was sharing with me how they couldn't have intimacy with with their spouse. And it had been years that they'd been involved with the alliance with Father Bing, and they couldn't have that intimacy. And this person didn't understand why. Like, why is it that, you know, once we joined the Third Orders and got involved, you've no longer you know, hug me. You no longer talk to me with, you know, cariño, with love, endearment. And so this person was deeply troubled. And then the finances get in the way and the alliance starts getting involved. So from what I understand, from what I've been told, is that they had to leave the alliance. And it was something very painful. But it was upon leaving that the other spouse shared with this person and said, look, uh, I know that for the past several years I've been distant. I haven't even you know, slept in the same bed with you. And the truth is that the founder told me that I can't be with you sexually, intimately, because that's a sin. Now, The funny thing is that people look at this founder as if he's a very holy, wise, knowledgeable priest close to God. Oh, he's a good Catholic. But at the same time, to be teaching these kind of things, that's not really Catholic. That's not really helping anyone. I think that, I think that is selfish because what, what he was doing, what the cult was doing is they're bringing a family, instead of helping them stay close to each other, separating them apart, causing division, 
and then you know bringing all this stress by kind of blaming them oh you can't give more financially like what's wrong with you oh like you don't trust god's going to provide i mean it's easy to say that when when you don't have a job it's easy to say that when your job is to ask people for money and you know to blame them but these were people who really had good hearts they wanted to do something good but like i said it, regarding the purity, the way it was toxic was that the cult made it seem that even sexuality, intimacy within the married life was something to be seen as evil. Now for the second category, I wanted to talk about the youth. Those who aren't married, those who are in high school, in college, because at that time, uh, we were trained to recruit these young people because according to the founder the older they are the more likely that they're going to be stained uh dirty corrupted by the world the more likely they're not going to be virgins so there was like a a strong push from the founder that we got to get virgins we got to get them young but also now that i think about it there was a lot of control because the way it's supposed to be is that like in normal life, if you're going to get a career, you're supposed to choose, you know, what are my passions? What are my hobbies? What am I good at? Is this career suitable for me? And then you pursue it. Or like, am I going to take this major? If you want to study that, go for it. But the way it was introduced to the youth was that, hey, look, you know, it's... It's a hopeless world, you know, so much uh, sins of the flesh. Uh, the best thing you can do is to become a priest because that is the best vocation. And, you know, there's married life and there's single life. But the best vocation is, is becoming a priest. So try God first. So they would bring this control, this control of sexuality where, hey, if you have a crush on somebody, that's the devil. That's bad. And they would have this control of, of people's vocation and making them feel bad because they would say, uh, you got to try God first. So if someone didn't try God first, they would say, you're going to live the rest of your life in regret because you didn't even try it out. So that is the way purity was taught, was actually to kind of make it look like you had to reject crushes. You had to reject. Uh, you had to reject relationships, friendships, even at a young age. And even though you don't feel called to it, you had to try God first. And so it was very, you know, because I look back at myself in my own journey. I had quite a few crushes in my life, you know, before joining. And then it's it's proposed to me that, hey, you know, God is calling you. I see it. I see you have a vocation. You got to join. And I remember kind of feeling like, whoa, what if I just join later? I'm still kind of young. I'm still in high school. And the way it was expressed to me was that, look, God is calling you now. You're not going to answer him. You're not going to say yes and follow him. And so even though I wanted to pursue 
my own life, my own dreams, I put that aside, which led me to joining the third category. So for the third category, it's targeting those who are trying to become priests, those who want to become sisters, nuns, brothers, missionaries, to make it short, the religious life. So in the first category, it's targeting the married people and those who have money because you're trying to get their money. Because how does a cult work? They don't have jobs. They get money from the people, and that's who they target. You know, those who are older, those who have money, and those who are very giving because the cults like to abuse the charity of people. Second category are the young, the youth, those who are young, those who don't know what to do with their life. And the cult makes it look like you have to join now because if you don't, the rest of your life is going to be wasted. So take this chance now. Be urgent. God is calling you now. And I, I remember they would have this thing called uh, vocation calling or something like that where they would call up, who wants to come and join the the priesthood? Who wants to be a nun and save the church from destruction or whatever? They make it something very, you know, sound very nice and and flashy. So I remember I would go up and other people would go up and people would be crying and boom, they get you. And then now you're in the third category, which I was in, and that was... Hmm, maybe this is my calling. Maybe I am supposed to be a priest one day. Let's just check it out. So now, the way purity was seen from from that point of view was that everyone of the opposite sex is evil. I don't care how holy they are, they're automatically going to you have to see them as evil because, you know, the devil never sleeps and you're going to be tempted by the opposite sex no matter what. So so something that would happen, especially like in the first years that I was there, was that we were trained to look at the sisters, at the women, almost like mini demons kind of thing. So like if a sister were walking on the compound, we'd have to like run away or like hide or like if someone from you know the female sex had to be talk you know had to talk to us we were trained to like put our hands in our pockets in our cassocks and you know like look away and we we were freaking weird okay because we're looking at women as they're only good for sex they're only good for tempting you and so you got to look down you got to look away and then the women probably were taught the same the same thing about us because you know when i remember when the brothers were around uh like if we're crossing paths they like run the other way they just completely split and so we split the other way and it's kind of like it's very infantile it's very immature and it's kind of like another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For when you're young, uh, I remember we'd joke around with with uh, the girls and we'd say, oh, you know, you have cooties, you know, ew, yuck. It was kind of like the same thing. The way we would see it is, you know, the sisters or, you know, people, women, they have spiritual cooties. So you got to run away. You got to flee because then the devil is going to enter you if you look at them and then you're going to live a life of sin and that, that's going to be the end of your vocation. So at that time, you know, being 17 when I joined, I really started to look at the at women Almost like you know they're evil. I have to run away. I mean, all of us would run away, or we we look we look to the side, or if we saw a brother, you know, talking to a woman freely, you know, we all think, oh my gosh, this person is impure, or they're lusting already. So we already have these judgments, but that's because the cult has trained us to look at people like that, and it it was very toxic because it's not training people to be normal we're we're being trained programmed all the more to feel elite to, to feel special like look at us we don't have sex we're so good and i remember the uh the founder he would say look at the angels you know god can see their blemishes even the angels are dirty in the eyes of god so how much for you for humans you know we have to be pure we got to be uh, try to be as pure as angels. And so it would make the flesh look kind of bad. And so it was easy to follow that as a young, as a young teenager, uh, you know, 17, as a young man. But I remember as I started getting older, you know, nature just pulls you in, in different directions, you know, and I was very confused because even though we weren't allowed to have opinions, even though we were trained to squash our emotions, deep inside I felt that maybe I'm called to have a family. Maybe I'm called to the married life. And I remember you know, trying to express that and it's like, no, that's from the devil. That's evil. So, okay, like on one side you can't, you can't even discern what your life is going to be like. They have absolute control. And even with the same sex, they would say, you cannot have friendships. That seems pretty cold, right? And the reason why the way that they were you know, training us was that if you have friendships, even of the same sex, that is going to lead to particular friendship so you're always going to be wanting to talk with that friend and then that's going to lead to homosexuality and then you're going to do all this you know and you know the founder he, he was very he the way he spoke was extreme but 
you know, I was thinking like, damn, I can't even have friends. So it made us very standoffish. And it really perpetuated our feeling of, you know, being selected into this group that we are the elite because of the rest of the world, the other churches, they're not as extreme or as holy or as pure as we are. So I was really going through that. But like I said, there was a point when I did, I turned 25 and I remember I just couldn't hold it anymore. And I was telling them like, look, I feel that there's something more out there for me. And I was demonized. I was made to feel ostracized. I actually was ostracized within the group, put in so much isolation. And I felt I felt bad. I felt guilty about it. So much blame, so much guilt. But let's go back to the first category. That was those who are married. Dividing the family, making them feel that they have to give absolutely all of their mind and heart and even their wallets to the founder, to the community. And really quickly, I remember hearing a radio station. It was actually EWTN Radio. And even though I was in the cult and this was a Catholic radio, I still felt kind of like, you know, kind of confused with life and with my religion with my faith but anyways someone was playing this radio station someone who wasn't in the cult, in the cult that I was in but I happened to be in the vicinity and so this person is playing the radio and on this episode or broadcast uh someone calls in and is talking to mother angelica from EWTN and so this person calls and is like mother i'm having this problem with my family with my my family life. And Mother Angelica is like, well, you know, please give me some more details. And she goes, okay, well, I'm part of this prayer group. And the prayer group is asking me to do all these prayers, to do all these commitments, to come to all of these meetings and to, you know, do all of these things for the group, for God. But my family is upset with me. My kids are upset. My husband is upset. And I want my family to understand that God comes first. And of course, I, I'm not I'm not speaking verbatim. That's what she said, but this is what I remember. And while that conversation was happening, I was thinking, yeah, that's right, lady. You know, you know, stand up for God. You know, God comes first. And I was expecting Mother Angelica to kind of back up that thought which has been trained to me from the alliance from from the cult that i was in but instead mother angelica took a different approach which totally shocked me because instead of going taking that approach which i thought she was going to take she said she asked the lady are you a nun no mother angelica i'm not a nun you're married right yeah so what's the problem and and I started thinking, why isn't Mother Angelica pushing for this lady to be more giving to God? And then Mother Angelica explained, like, look, lady, you're not a nun. You're not a priest. You have a family. You have a husband. You have kids who've expressed that they want you there. What this prayer group is doing is taking you away from your family, is taking you away from where God may want you. I think, and she's like, I think God wants you to be with your family, to spend time with them. 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with praying, but what this group is doing isn't right. It isn't godly. It's separating you from your family, and it's it's actually being kind of selfish. And so anyways, like I said, I don't remember the exact words, but that's how I remembered it in my mind. And I was just so shocked because I, like I said, I expected Mother Angelica to come swinging and be like, yeah, that's right. You know, your family needs to grow, grow up and they need to respect that you need to give your life totally to God, that God comes first. But her answer totally changed my mind. And that was like one of the... That was one of the big shocks of my cult life to hear something that wasn't kind of resonating with my cult mind. And which kind of bothered me. Like, what is what is my faith? Like, what what is sexuality? Uh, isn't sex supposed to be like something bad? Isn't intimacy supposed to be something bad? So I was very confused. I was very bothered. But, you know, she's she has a point. You know, if you have a family, these cults they want to get in, they want to butt in and separate you from your family. And these this family of from this caller, all they wanted was to spend more time with her. It wasn't like they were telling her, you know, mom, you need to cook more for us, or I don't know if that's what's happening. But from the way it sounded, it was like they just wanted to spend more time with their mom, and the husband just wanted to spend more time with his wife. But this cult this prayer group that she was involved in wanted to take that away and selfishly have this lady work for them and be there entirely for them and that is exactly what happened in the group that i was in regarding the married people separating the couples making them pray you know guys over here ladies on the other side and instead of being godly, I think that the way the cult saw sexuality, intimacy, marriage was really looking down on it. And I want to give you a, a second example. And this one is kind of a mix of all three of the categories. So that's why I'm kind of saving this one, like, you know, towards the end. There's this very nice lady who, when I was a member, we always go to her house. You know, we'd pray with her and she would always, you know, cook a lot of food for the members. But she would also, you know, have her doors open to the sisters as well. And she would, you know, give donations, give money. Very giving person, very loving person. But I remember Father Bing telling a story at the end of Mass uh, one day. And this was in Dover, Delaware. And the story he shared was actually right after that lady had left, he was talking to us and he was like, you know, so-and-so, I feel so bad for her. And I remember listening like, why do you feel bad for her? I mean, she's she's still one of us. I mean, she's still, at least, you know, she's she's married and she's helping us financially. I mean, she's very obedient to you. Uh, like, why do you feel bad? Uh, of course, I didn't ask that, but in my mind, I was thinking it. And he was telling the story that years ago, she had decided to, you know, try out the life. Not to, you know, go and take the vows, but to just try it out and be either an aspirant or a postulant. But 
according to Father Bing, that she left that life and she ended up uh, falling in love with this guy and they ended up getting married. So I say that this is a mixture of all three categories because in the first place, you have, you know, the second category, you know, the those who were trying to recruit. And then, you know, you're trying to recruit them to take their vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. But for, but before she was able to really step into that third category, she ditched. She took off and was like, no, I'm going to I'm going to go back to to the world, as they would call it. And she got married. And Father Bing said this. She's hexed. She's cursed. And I'm thinking, why is she hexed or cursed? And he and he says, she left her vocation. And now she's married to that person over there who probably doesn't even love her. And she's hexed because she left she left the place where God was calling her to be. And because she left the voice of God, she is not able to have children. That's how God has punished her. But, you know, she gives financially. So, you know, let's not talk about it. Don't ever tell her that. But see, that's that's what's going to happen if you leave. You're going to be hexed. You won't be able to have kids. And so when I heard that, I was still, you know, believing all the bullshit that this founder said, but it started to bother me. Like, how come when she's here, you're all, oh, hi, how are you doing? Oh, we're going to pray for you. Oh, you know, we, we love and appreciate the goodness that you, that you share with our communities. And then when, when she's gone, you tell the community how cursed she is because she left you, Father Bing. She left following you as a religious. I mean, she's still, I'm not sure about now, but you know, in that timeline, she was still very loyal and very kind person. And it's just, I have to share these stories because people don't know the truth about Father Bing and the Alliance. They look at them and it's like, oh, these are holy people. No. And... Uh, there's another story that I'm going to use to wrap this up because there are actually so much more toxic things. But I think just to get the story across and to help understand the perspective of the cult, I think that this is enough stories. So the last story is this. So this is like now towards the end and I kind of want to make it quick because time just goes by so fast. So Here's how we were trained to look at the body. And this is what Father Bing said in Dover, Delaware. And I remember him saying this, that at the airports, there are these body scanners. And oh my gosh, you know, it is so terrible because what happens is these body scanners at security, they're looking at your body and it sees if you have any... Uh, any weapons or whatever but what's actually happening is our sisters are getting violated they're losing their virginity and i was thinking what the hell kind of a machine is this because i mean i was i wasn't traveling i wasn't a traveling missionary and then when i first got my call to go on mission i'm at the airport and i see this thing this big machine 
which I understand right away, is that body scanner which Father Bing was talking about. But we've been taught to have so much fear. And for me, like I really took everything so literal, and I was just so passionate with everything that Father Bing and the cult said. I was hella loyal. And so I remember thinking, what the hell is this thing? Is it going to molest me am i going to lose my virginity what the heck is going to happen and i remember the security the tsa was kind of like you know waving at me well come on in and he just saw that i was just shocked and like scared and i was probably pale and i i asked him is that thing going to do anything to me is it going to like touch me and he's like um no you just go in raise your arms it's going to scan your body for any anything harmful or whatever. And then you're free to go. And so that was like the first time I went against the founder because he told us that we can't go through that because it's it's getting raped. And then another story that this happened in the Philippines. And I remember it wasn't the founder, but it was actually one of his you know, next in charge guys. And in the Philippines, in, at this time of the story, we had so much fear. We were always like running away from the church. We were in hiding. Everyone was our enemy. And we were pretty much living in hiding. And he told us in one of our, like in one of his uh, sermon, I guess, he said this, that look, the end times is near, the great persecution is, is on its way, but you know what's going to happen? Many of the brothers, the guys, we're going to get you know killed off if they find us. And if they're able to break into where the sisters are, unfortunately, before getting killed, they're going to get molested, they're going to get violated. And then he started laughing and he said, well, but there are some sisters there who are kind of old, who are kind of ugly. And yeah, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to get molested and they're not going to get violated. And he's laughing. And so the way sexuality purity was seen, was seen in the cult was always wrapped with paranoia, with fear, with control with shame, with blame, and it wasn't realistic. It was just, you know, we have we like I said earlier, how you have to see the women almost like they have spiritual cooties and run away like they got leprosy or some kind of a uh, a virus and just run in the other direction and slam the door in that person's face, and that's how we were trained, and. It was one weird life that I had being in this place. And I think it was just time for me to share my story. And I think by sharing my story, by sharing what I saw, it gives me more relief. Because for so many years, all of these things are just in the back of my head, in my memories. And people aren't going to know the truth because maybe no one else is going to speak up. But I think that now it's it's the right time to speak up. And I want people to know that whether you've lost your virginity or not, um, 
everyone goes through ups and downs in, in life. And to use virginity, saying, oh, you lost your virginity, you're a terrible person, you're evil. You know, just because someone has lost their virginity, it's not the end of the world. And you know, even though a person may have lost their virginity, that doesn't mean that they're bad people. If a person gets married and wants to have sex in, in their married life, you know, together and of course with consent, then of course it should be something beautiful. It should be something respected. But the way the cult trained us was to see sexuality as something demonic, as something which brings you farther away from God. But I disagree. I think that sexuality, relationships, uh, being normal, you know, be, being a, a grown adult, being compassionate, being kind, I think that these things bring you closer to God. And if you want to use purity, virginity, as a way to bring you closer to God, then, you know, go ahead and do that. But don't be demonizing people for pursuing relationships, for having a crush. Let's stop hating on on each other. Let's stop hating just because someone has lost their virginity. And if you're a Christian, start acting like it. And treat others with compassion, with kindness. And a little bit of understanding and kindness really goes a long way. And it's free. So that's it for today. Thank you for tuning in to the Truth That Heals podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez. And hey, feel free to subscribe. Feel free to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and I'll leave more stuff on the show notes below. Thank you very much. I hope you've had a wonderful, fantastic day. Peace out, y'all. Later.